Blog Talk Radio. Magazine when I was in my early 30s. And it was right wow. over Hollywood Boulevard. It was just kind of cool because you get to see them taking out all the stuff and putting in the seats for the premieres and putting the click lights up for it and everything. Although right yeah. now you don't get to see anything. <laughs> no, not right now, but we're, we're right by the... Um, we're near Hollywood Highland. I'm pretty much across the street from uh, the Roosevelt Hotel. And... Um, so yeah, we get to see a lot of the different activities that are going on, and we're the green room for the Hollywood Christmas Parade, which we're looking forward to having that back again this year. But oh, yeah, no, there's a definite uh, a lot of life that happens here. Yeah, Hollywood's fun. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm a native uh, Los Angelino, so. <laughs> yes, I do know that you're one of those rare breeds. Yeah, me and my brother brought up, raised in San Fernando Valley. <laughs> Wow, yeah, just over the hill from where we are, the Hollywood Hills just on the other side. I know. It's so funny. I was talking to one of my other guests, and I was saying, for a long time, I didn't realize that was a mountain range, because we always called it over the hill, so I thought it was hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not even though it's called Hollywood Hills, but it is, yes. It's a mountain range. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing when you get the other side, just how big that valley is. It's like, Wow. It's another world. And it's like, that is my that is my homecoming. When I go to L.A. and I go over the 405 and I see that view of the valley, especially at night with the lights on and everything, all I can uh-huh. hear in my head is home. Wow. Yeah, well, it's, um, be it ever, it's, not, it's not humble. No, <laughs> it's big. Humble. <laughs> Hardly humble. <laughs> <laughs> well... We weren't rich, but there are a lot of rich people that live over there. <laughs> yes, yes. You can kind of like, you can kind of like move into the the general feeling of it. There's some, there's a lot of benefits. There's some crazy stuff that happens, but there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of fun things that can happen when it's open. So I'm really anxious for that to start happening again, which they just announced 
um, just before coming onto the show, just announced that um, uh, with the vaccines now over the two million mark into the uh, uh, lower income areas, they're now going to open up all the the gyms and the restaurants, indoor dining now, and beauty salons and stores. All everything uh, seems to be opening up again. Oh, that's so that's good. good news. So are we going to have to carry our vaccination papers with us when we go everywhere? <laughs> well, I don't want to go there on this hot conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm well, I this conversation lively and happy. Okay, and okay. Good for the benefit of. I I just uh, hadn't heard. Writers so. and artists. I just hadn't heard. Yeah, that's why I was asking. And, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a. Uh, that goes down a, a different path, so we're not walking that path on this interview. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah. the last time I talked to you, we were talking about, um, you know, all the interesting things that were happening, but none of them did because, unfortunately, of what was going on in the world. Um, so what is the contingency plan that we're doing now? <laughs> Well, what we've got going here for Right of the Future, and I'm glad I'm able to tell you about this so that all the listeners can hear this too, we have a tentative date set right now, and the, and the venue is reserved, the hotels are reserved for October 21st for a combined event for Volume 36, Right of the Future Volume 36, and Right of the Future Volume 37. So rather instead of just having the 24 winners and judges from a volume coming out, we're going to have the 24 winners from both years, plus the judges and then all the families. So it's going to be quite an amazing um, gala event. Plus, one thing that's special we did this year, because of the fact that it's a combined event, um, Echo Chernick, who you've had in your show before, was the artist for Volume 36. She's also the coordinating judge for the Illustrators of the Future Contest. She's also painted the cover for, for Volume 37 using the same elements. So when we have our stage that we create and all the promotion stuff for it, it, it can be all the same design elements get, get used so we don't favor one year versus the other. That's going to be all elements applied so that uh, we're celebrating volume 36 and 37 together. So that part, we're pretty excited about that. We've never done that before. We'll set up combined bookstore signings for winners for both, for both volumes and we'll package the books together for people to be able to get both volumes. But that's... Um, that's we're working on making it a silver lining um, out of this uh, otherwise dark cloud of, of the last year pandemic. The other thing that was a really good silver lining, which was just a coincidence, we had been preparing starting in October of 2019. We did interviews with Orson Scott Card, Tim Powers, and Dave Wolverton, whose pen name is David Farland. Uh, we did 13 video interviews with him on all the steps to constructing a story. And um, that, we were putting that together, and then when the when Planet Earth shut down in March, we went online with this end of March, beginning of April, and it just, we had a target of getting a 1,000 people taking the course by the end of 2020, and within 24 hours, we had 2,000 people taking this course. And now, uh, this last week, we just broke 5,200 people taking the course from 110 countries. And it's just amazing the, the success that the people have had. And they've been taking the course. And what's really, what I really like about it, too, uh, we had one person send us a, a video uh, talking about what she got of the course. And then she said, 
and I sold my first story to a mystery magazine. So the tools that you're learning on this course don't just apply to writing science fiction and fantasy, it applies to writing a story. So it's, it's really exciting because they got the, the videos, interviews, like I said, from uh, Kim, Scott, and Dave, but there's also 10 essays that were written by Elwin Hubbard in the 1930s and 40s, which our judges, our current judges for the, for the writers of the future, say they're, they're just as valid now as they were when he first wrote them because these are the, the quintessential points for writing a story. So, when I, so that, that's been going really good. And our forum, the Writers of the Future forum, um, came in. It won the, the grand prize on the uh, Critters Award, which is um, a fan competition uh, for all things science fiction and fantasy. So our, our forum was, uh, got the, uh, the first place on that. And then we have our podcast, which I just uploaded episode number 114 with Kevin Anderson um, yesterday. And um, that one has been going so good because it's been going for two years now. Uh, it's been going so good that last November it was syndicated on a global radio network, a United Public Radio Network. So now every podcast gets uh, at least a quarter million listens. And um, that's been really successful too. So the whole thing is it's resulted in, in a major expansion of the R1 Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future and Illustrators of the Future contests to where every year now the um, the entries to the contest are highest ever every year. So it just continues to expand and expand and um, that's why for me it's important to be able to sponsor uh, your show, Chatting with Sherry, because your audience is my audience. They're the ones that, you know, they're aspiring writers and they want, or they want good reading, you know. So if they read the Writers of the Future uh, volumes, they're going to get great short stories because they've been selected by top writers and illustrators of um, science fiction and fantasy in the world. So it's, it's, it's been one of those, um, we've been able to focus a little more on some of these things with the pandemic that we were able to, that we were able to do before. So um, anyway, that's some of the stuff that's, that's happened since the last we spoke. That's cool. Uh, Owen, thank you um, for sponsoring me. It means a lot. Yes. Um, and uh, I really do appreciate the help. Absolutely. It's, it's totally, like I've said many times before, you know, we're like-minded individuals. You know, you're, you're a person of goodwill and you want to help. And so anything I can do to support that as well. And the fact that it, it, the help comes back to me too is, is very much appreciated. And one of your um, guests from your contest uh, was in the uh, top ten for the uh, Chatty Award this, uh, this year. Well, last year the worthy award this year Leah yeah Leah oh yeah she's such a sweet you know, I mean, I'm really anxious for I've, we've written so much and she's done a, a blog for us on our on the Rise of the Future blog and I've done everything with her except for meet her so I'm really looking forward to meeting her this year when she <laughs> comes out yeah it's really a weird world right now isn't it <laughs> it is it's amazing I've gotten to know people so well but I've not seen them I know. In the physical, you know, it's just all been virtual. So I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting all of our winners over the last couple of years who I've not met, but I've got to know so well via email and through, you know, Zoom meetings and whatnot. I think it's really, um, it's what you were saying earlier about the person who uh, ended up uh, selling a mystery story. See, I think 
you don't have to be in one genre to be a writer. I mean, uh, I, I write different genres because I write what interests me. And I, I'm very, I don't know, I don't have one thing. I, I like all different kinds of books to read, so I like all kinds of stories to write. So I think that's good that uh, yeah. your classes are inspiring people from different genres. Yeah, it's just, it, it helps, and we've got, you know, some people that have been um, reporters for major newspapers and magazines on the East Coast have taken the course, and I said, um, publish authors of various genres, they're just, you know, uh, if an author thinks that they know it all, um, they got problems, mm -hmm. and so it, it just gives another perspective on what writing's about, and some things that you can use from successful authors, you know, um, you don't get stuck in a certain one or two tropes, but you've got, you know, tools you can actually use to expand your craft and increase your, your readership. I think it's a good thing. And, I mean, it has been like that for a long time. Isaac Asinoff wrote all kinds of different genres. Ray Bradbury wrote mm -hmm. all kinds of different genres. You know, you don't yeah, have... Did for sure. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have to be... In, well, not stuck, but zoned in to one thing. And that's why people get stuck when they're, you know, um, blocked when they're writing is because you're, you, I have to write this, I have to write this. <laughs> yeah. I just did an interview with um, Otto Penzler, who's the, um, he, re he owns the Mysterious Bookshop, which is um, the biggest and, and oldest um, mystery bookshop in the world in New York. But we were, we were chatting, and he was um, saying that it's really important if you're going to write multiple genres, which is totally fine. You just got to make sure that you make it very clear to the bookstore what genre this is, because if you're known as a science fiction author and then you're, you write a mystery book, um, the bookseller's not going to know where to put it. So you make it very clear that this is a mystery or that this is a science fiction you know, and then he went up as a publisher and said it's really important, the packaging, you know, the the um, book cover itself has to really show and, and really be engaging because it's people are shopping and looking and the cover is, is really that silent salesman that will, that will pull you into it. And more and more people said last year the sales of, of books, actual paper books, was uh, higher than the year before. And he said people are more and more coming in, you know, they want to read a print book, a book that's, you know, with a hardcover on it, even more, you know, he's finding more and more hardcover sales happening again, more so even the trade paperback or mass market. But it's, um, it's interesting how, you know, we were chatting about it, and, you know, the books I most remember, even when I was a little kid, I remember Call of the Wild and Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. I, I love those books, but I, I can still remember what the book felt like, you know, and the cover, the color of it, and the, the dust jacket and the type of paper it was and as I was turning the page reading it it was like and when you read a book on a Kindle or, or a, a, an electronic device it doesn't have the same tactile sensation that, that it provides although I do love being able to look up a word just by clicking on it in, on my Kindle but it was interesting how that, and I, I remember that too I remember better the books I read that were print books I, I think that's true I just there's an intimacy with a book that you can't have with a device yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't really hug your phone to you or a computer or a tablet, but you can cuddle in bed, hug your book, read it, you know, get that smell of the paper, and it's, it's, yeah. it's very intimate. 
Yeah, it's for me, I have to do a lot of reading. So for, for me, I read almost all the time on either my laptop, my desktop, or my phone. And when I prepare for my podcast interviews, I'm, I'm jamming to get through, study everything. And if it's an author, I'll, I'll, I'll and before I set it up, I, I say, okay, so what's the best book of yours for me to read? Then I'll read that book. You know, so, but I'm jamming through it to get through it so I can prepare for my podcast. Um, but if I'm just going to sit down and just want to enjoy a book, I want to have, which is hard for me to do now because my work schedule is like without a penciler. I, you know, I'm a basic publisher schedule. I work half days, 12 hours. You know, so it's hard to find that extra time to just be able to, to hold and read a book. But boy, I should sure love it. I know. And it's interesting because, well, I learned speed reading as a kid. So I can do speed reading. I have like 90% comprehension for speed reading. But I've never really, uh-huh. even though I'm good at it, and I do it for doing my interviews and stuff like that, because I have so much, I it's not the same. I love to read at my own pace. I love to read and take it all in and just wallow in the story. It, it's a different yeah. feeling when you're reading a book than when you're looking yeah. at a Kindle or something. And I have nothing against it because I use Kindle too. <laughs> yeah. I said, and and it's really good because you can then, you know, as people with, with eye, eye issues, they can make the, the font as big as they want to read to comfortably be able to read. And for myself, what I like is, because um, I'm pretty fastidious about knowing what I'm reading, understanding what I'm reading. So if there's a word that they use that I don't understand, I like that feature on a, on a Kindle where I can read in the EPUB books. Uh, clicking on the word and then it highlights it and then can look it up in the in the dictionary on the Kindle and that just makes it so convenient for me to do that to look up the word and then get back to reading. Do you know when that comes in handy? And I sometimes have a regular book in my hand and have my uh, phone next to me because if you read anything from like the 1920s to the 1940s, really well-written books always had French in it and they don't bother to translate yeah. because I figure everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> it made me crazy. When I was reading before Google and all that stuff, I would get translation books just so I could understand what those parts of the book were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, vocabulary was, was so much uh, greater also with the writers back then. I mean, some of the words have changed. That's for sure. The language has has uh, evolved, but there's also uh, nomenclature has. I think things have dumbed down, um, at least in America, with uh, which is evidenced by. I don't know if they still use SATs anymore. They kept on reducing and reducing and reducing the scores required to make it to college. Where now I think they've even just um, stopped using it as a requirement to get into school. Really, so, I didn't know that. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's just, you know, as as it gets more and more dumbed down, it's like the vocabulary that's used in books is easier to read now. And so the earlier books, written in 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, have uh, require a higher vocabulary to be able to, to read. So that's really interesting, that stuff. A lot of it I found, too, with, um, you know, that that's why um, I like that, that feature in the, in the Kindle to be able to read and then look up a word when I need to. Because so, it also helps to 
if you don't understand what a word means, how can you understand what the author's saying? Exactly. You know, you can try to you can try to guess, but then you're guessing. You're not. You could be off by, you know, 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like trying to understand Shakespeare without looking up what it means, because that's really old uh, language, and yeah. and it has a beauty to it. But you have to understand what you're reading in order for, or listening to, or watching in order for you to understand what the beauty is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, what's he doing? And you know, a lot of stuff is satire. Like, what was he satire? And if you don't really know what he's saying, then it's not going to make sense to you why these characters are doing what they're doing and who they represent and stuff like that. So it's yeah. No, it's you got to know the words. You got to know the words. Um, it's funny because. One of my favorite books, uh, I, I'm, I, I love science fiction, but I'm also a big mystery fan. And I love yeah. the Lord Peter Whimsey books. But uh-huh. she is the most well-educated writer ever because <laughs> she has not only regular words that I have to look up regularly, even though I've read all her books, but you forget and you have to look them up again. Yeah. But... Yeah. She has French. She has a proposal between Peter and Harriet in Latin, for God's sake. Wow. Non, non, to, uh, no, nothing, no, no to the in bottom, nothing to tell you what the words mean. <laughs> um, that's up to you. I'm, I'm going to give them to you. you got to make sure you know what they mean. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah Especially for a proposal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, but it's, um, the whole subject of writing is, is, um, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an amazing thing, and mostly I deal with is, is the fiction, I don't even get into the nonfiction particularly, but, um, I know you've, like I said, you've written across multiple genres, and you're just, you're so well read, which is, which is amazing, and in fact, if you've got this, this show to help share it with others, but it's, um, you know, I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm very proud with what we have done with the uh, with Rise of the Future, and that and our judges, which are some of the biggest names in the genre, you know they're they're so supportive of it because you know they said multiple times that you know with what um, they're just they do it because they, they so respect Elwin Hubbard for what he did on endowing this contest because he's paid over a million dollars out of his own money out of his royalties uh, since it started. To, uh, to make this happen because he flies all the winners out he pays for all the, ju- the, uh, the judges expenses you know coming out um, and they and they get a small fee for, for judging the stories and there's no entry fee for entering the contest so the judging gets done by the, the, the um, our first reader uh, Carrie which you've inter- you've interviewed uh, Carrie English before and then and Dave Wolverton as a coordinating judge um, you know that that's all paid for by Mr. Hubbard out of you know based on what he's endowed that he put in his will to make sure that the contest continues. So it's you know so you've got uh, you know the various judges you know that many of you've had like Kevin Anderson or uh, have you had interviewed Scott Card? No. Gordon Scott Card? No. Um, you've had, you've entered David Farland or Dave Wolverton. Yes. And um, I think you've uh, you've had Todd McCaffrey on and. Um, I think we're trying to set you up with Larry Niven. If you'd like to interview him, he's he's an, um, he's one of those iconic names in, in science fiction. 
I met him. He was, I was on the panel for at a convention. We're sitting right next to him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, it'd be cool to interview him. <laughs> yeah. So I got. So we're working on getting him onto your show too. Um, but Rob Sawyer, he's just just an amazingly nice man. But uh, when I first met him, he just won his first Hugo at uh, Worldcon up in Toronto, Torcon Two. And it was the interesting story was that Owen Hubbard was there at Torcon One. He was one of the main guests speaking there and I presented a blow up of that uh, photo of him with uh, John Campbell and some of the other big authors at the time uh, to the convention chairman at, uh, at TorCon 2 and the person that ran TorCon 1 was there and so I gave it to him so that was, that was a fun little um, presentation I made but that was um, he, you know Hubbard attended a couple of the different science fiction conventions which um you know, you hear different stories. I'll just buzz and we talk about when he saw him at uh, Chicago at a convention there. But, um, you know, we've got the, the judges that are just very appreciative of what has been done to endow this competition. And now, um, 37 years later, we're on, we're ready to release volume 37 now, which is just crazy. It's just like, you know, we thought, okay, if this makes it 10 years, that'd be great. And now we're almost done with our fourth, you know, with uh, into our fourth decade. Of, um, of people winning this contest and being published, so it's you know, and it's the, it is the best-selling science fiction anthology, um, and the fact that we've got you know twelve unknown authors combined with you know stories from Owen Hubbard, and now we've got stories from uh, one or two of our judges. We started something recently that was really fun when we changed the format to trade paperback for mass market paperback. We had the cover art and then we we get one of our judges one of our writer judges to write a story for the uh, against the art so the art starts it off and the story is written to uh, to explain the, the cover art so that, that was a fun thing we started and uh, that adds to it as well because you get some nice names connected with the book that way as well so it helps to sell because big names will sell the book that's why we've got what we have on there but it just it provides a good start then for the, the 12 writing winners Plus this year we have two finalists, which sometimes we add a finalist to the book when the winning stories don't make a certain word count, and we still we want to make the, the trade paperback books roughly the same size. So we needed two more finalists to um, to make the same size as the other books. So this year in volume 37 we'll have the 12 writing winners, plus we'll have, have uh, two published finalists. So that that'll be nice. Cool. I forgot to say, yeah. um, Orson Scott Cards, that was my dad's, one of my dad's favorite modern science fiction writers before he passed away. He, he had been kind of stuck in reading Golden Age over and over and over and over and over and over again. And my brother and I yeah. were at a bookstore desperately trying to find something to wean him off of reading the same books again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this guy, random guy, never saw him again. We were, like, talking to each other in the book aisles. You know, how about this one? How about this one? You know, Conan Doyle. No, he's read all that because he's read Sherlock Holmes, so he read all of Conan Doyle. No, no. And this guy came over and he said, oh, your, your dad liked classic science fiction? I go, yes, but positive positive uh, science fiction. He goes, oh, how about Orson Scott Card? He's got this book, and it was Ender's Game. And I go, okay. <laughs> Desperation. <laughs> yeah. 
And my brother was like, okay, sounds good. So we bought that. My dad really liked it. Kind of ate it all up. <laughs> yeah, no, Scott Card is, um, he's an amazing author. And his, I mean, his philosophy is also is, he's into positive. And he writes, he also writes a lot of uh, religious science fiction, fantasy, a lot of urban fantasy. Just, but he's just, he's such a nice man. Uh, he's definitely a, a good friend of, of the contest. And, um, He's one of the three teachers now for the workshop. Because now the workshop is taught by Scott Card, uh, Tim Powers, and uh, Dave Roberton. Cool. Plus, then all the judges come in. They do an hour slot then at the end of the workshop week with their specialty thing that they talk about. That's really cool. Um, yeah. We're coming to the end. Um, so we talked about the podcast. We've talked about uh, the convention. Is there anything else you would like to tell everybody before we um, close out? Yeah. Um, I'll tell everybody that Sherry says you need to read Writers of the Future. <laughs> so Sherry says... <laughs> I do. <laughs> but the, the book is available. You can you can go to writersofthefuture.com, and that's where all these things I've been talking about. You can find that. It navigates easily on the left side. You can sign up for the workshop there. You can sign up, I mean, for the um, online writing workshop. You can uh, listen to the podcast. You can join the forum. You can read the, the blogs. And you can and you can order the, the book, Writers of Feature, Volume 36. Volume 37 won't release until this fall with the event. But you can get Volume 36 and all the earlier volumes, too. They really are good stories. There's a reason why um, Writers of Feature has gone on this song is because it really does give great stories because you got the best of the best in these authors and we have there's thousands of entries that come in every quarter you know it's just it's huge it's huge from 175 countries so what you're getting is distilled from you know the best of the best well sherry says that's that my john story and i'm sticking to yeah. it well sherry says john has to give the website <laughs> okay well then sherry's going to hear that the website is www.writersofthefuture.com Okay, and what are you? What social media are you on? And how do they find you? What is your username on the different social medias that you're on? Okay, so for Rise of the Future, it's all at WOTF Contest. That's Rise of the Future. So at WOTF Contest. That's for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And on YouTube, it's just Writers of the Future. And then um, I have my own personal page, which um, I invite people to to friend, and that's. Um, um, at John Goodwin ASI. ASI stands for Author Services Inc., which is a literary agency for Ellen Hubbard. So John Goodwin ASI. So there you go. That's how you can find it stuff. And um, we have lots of great things. And I'm, I'm always posting stuff from our past winners when they when they have successes and they do things. I'll post it on um, on the social media to share it so people can have their what they've done since winning the contest. And I also post stuff with our upcoming winners and news and science fiction and fantasy in general and I share the words, works from our judges so this is lots of stuff constantly happening there. Great um, we've come to the end I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show John Thank you very much Sherry and thank you for chatting with Sherry uh-huh.